is Canada heading towards a climate emergency? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Here at the cafe, we aim to bring you guests and issues for discussion and debate. The Unpublished Cafe is part of the Unpublished Media suite of websites created to inform and educate Canadians on current affairs and political issues. Each podcast delves into a different issue in a nonpartisan way, so listeners and viewers can share their informed opinions with Canadians and their local MPs through unpublishedottawa.com and unpublished.vote. Now, the upcoming federal election will be a focus for us to bring you a balanced view of the parties and their policies. And on our last show, we looked at the broad view of climate change as Canadians view it in terms of the issues ahead of the federal election, as we talk, spoke to David Coletto of Abacus Data. We also brought you Joanne Roberts of the Green Party and Alexandre Boulouris of the NDP, who spoke of their party's platform on climate change. Today on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll hear from Ed Fast, conservative environment critic and MP for Abbotsford. As well, we'll chat with Catherine McKenna, the Liberals' Minister of the Environment and Climate Change. And this way, you'll be able to compare each party's platform for yourself. Now, this issue resonates with young Canadians. And why wouldn't it, considering it is their future? A group of young people in Guelph have put together their own website to track the climate change promises of the parties ahead of the federal election. It's called Shake Up the Establishment. I'm pleased to be joined by Manvi Bala, Cameron Fioret, and Taro Hafnight. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, thanks for having, having us. All right, we'll start off, uh, Manvi, first. How did this all come together? So, yeah, um, it's a really interesting story, actually. Um, Taro, Cam, and I um, have worked closely together in the past um, as part of other NGOs. And so we really felt very strongly about the climate crisis and felt that there was quite a lot of misinformation that um, was being kind of propagated, as well as this kind of bias that was coming from um, all the kind of political entities where um, we wanted to know what the actual facts were and how they correlated with platforms. We wanted to know where science stood on the issue and how um, the party platforms were being backed by science. Will they work as per science? You know, so we kind of came together to make this um, information hub, basically, um, because we were so motivated um, to find out who the party we should be voting for, who can best support our um, mission to address the climate crisis. Now, Cameron, what, what do you hope to accomplish with Shake Up the Establishment? Well, uh, I think we all hope to accomplish uh, educating the public in, a, in as large of an unbiased way and scientifically buttressed way as possible. We're trying to present the political platforms in their words and while doing that, have a scientific base to let people make informed decisions on their own. So our overarching goal is to educate the Canadian citizenry. And you're telling me there's no political leanings involved with your website then? No, we try to stay as politically unbiased as possible. We present information in an uneditorialized way. All information is scientifically cited with reputable sources. And in our chart on our website, shakeuptheestab.org, we present the political platforms of the parties in their own words. So if there is a platform out already, well, our summaries cite and go to a link to their official platform, etc. Taro, uh, tell me, what do you want people to, to take away from your website when you know, they look it over if they're, if they're concerned about climate change? Well, uh, you know, we want people to really delve into not only what is climate change, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about, you know, how it works and, 
and all that sort of thing. So we want people to get a reputable and back information actually what is it, how it works, and how these various systems affect themselves and why they should care about this issue. As well as, you know, get an overarching theme of each of the parties. And of course, our chart doesn't go into the documents in excruciating detail. These documents are incredibly long and we do our best to summarize them in each of these. So that's what we really want to get is people wanting to, you know, care more about uh, the environment and climate change and getting a better perspective of the parties and what their goals are. Carol Halfnight, Cameron Fioret, and Manvi Bala are joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. They are Shake Up the Establishment, a website that looks at climate change, well, the platforms of climate change for each political party and presents it in an unbiased way. And, and you know, Manvi, is climate change the big issue for this coming election? Um, so it's really an interesting thing that we've kind of talked about a lot within our group. Um, there's a really cool statistic that we came across, actually, I, I believe it was um, from Abacus Data CEO in the past, and it was part of a CBC interview, and he had mentioned that um, the largest um, portion of the electorate for this upcoming election is going to be the millennials. And so this is an issue that kind of resonates with them, as you've mentioned in the past on your on your last um, episode of the series about how um, we're looking towards our future and it's something that really is something that we're very vocal and passionate about. So I think if there's a way to mobilize the millennials as well as kind of increase voter turnout in general and increase information and accessibility to this information about this issue, then yeah. Um, one of the best, uh, one of the like nicest quotes that um, one of our other co-founders, Janae, has said is, if you're not worried about this issue, you're not reading all the right things. So if you're able to access the scientifically backed literature that's kind of presenting the most honest portrayal of this, you will become motivated about this issue. It can be the biggest issue. It's just a matter of how can we increase the information um, to reach everyone to encourage informed voting and increase turnout. So it has the potential to be the, the biggest issue for this election, that's for sure. Increased turnout. That's what I wanted to get to. Young people are notorious for not voting. And obviously you, you, you folks are, are definitely motivated. How are you going to motivate young people with your website? Um, so in like in kind of planning and making this kind of initiative all together, one of my personal goals um, as the person that is running social media and designing the website is I'm trying to make it um, accessible as well as I don't want to kind of belittle the website in a way, but trendy. So in a sense, kind of give it this aspect of, this is an issue you can care about. Don't be afraid of the science. Like we're going to make sure that everyone, no matter your background can understand this issue and kind of like welcome them into this community of climate scientists and welcome them into this community of um, learning about politics and making Canadian politics more exciting. So in doing so um, we're hoping that we're reaching the people that maybe might not have been um, able to kind of understand or access or were interested in the first place in this kind of information in the past. You know, Cam, when I, when I look at the name of the, the organization here, shake up the establishment, you know, it, mm-hmm. let's face it. Uh, it's, it sounds like young people are just trying to to you know rattle the cage with some older folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I would say a possible impetus for shake up the establishment and what this name was to you know do what we want to do. We want to shake up the establishment. We want to get to the older folks who are in power. And you know, you ask a question of Mamby about how to get young people engaged. Well, 
I think young people now, you know, people our age in university or in grad school, but especially high schoolers are very deeply driven, unusually driven uh, compared to previous generations to enact positive change in the environment. And uh, I think with the pressing, the pressing issue of climate change, this has only exacerbated the passion that young people have to create change. Is that passion not so uh, great with older generations? Well, I think there's an argument to be made that there is a lack of passion with some of those generations, but I think overall most people of any generation don't want to succumb to the worst effects of climate change. People want to make changes, positive changes, and you know, leave a better world for those who are to come. And uh, I think there's an innate passion there that we're just trying to tap into. Manvi, Cam, and Daryl, I want to thank you for joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you so much for having us, yeah. Manvi Bala, Cameron Fiorett, and Taro Hafniner, some of the founders of Shake Up the Establishment. When it comes to the issue of climate change, the Liberals took an extra step after the 2015 election, changing the portfolio from environment to environment and climate change. Ottawa Centre MP Catherine McKenna is the minister, and she joins us on the Unpublished Cafe. Now, Catherine, is Canada in a climate emergency? Uh, well, it's great to be uh, joining your podcast. Thanks very much, Ed. Um, yes, we, we, it, I mean, it's not just Canada, it's the world. Um, increasingly, we're seeing the impacts of climate change. I think before there was a conversation about, you know, what's climate change going to look like down the road? But if you look at what's happening, even right here in the National Capital Region, we had flooding um, a few years ago that was supposed to be once in 100-year floods, and now we had it again this year. Um, so you're seeing these extreme weather events that are having huge impacts on people's lives, um, on businesses, and, and also there's like an emotional impact for people. If you're having to, you know, sandbag your house, worried about, um, you know, where your house is located, is it going to continue to flood? And we're seeing that across the country. Um, forest fires have started earlier this year. Uh, last year um, I was out in Kelowna, uh, and the, it was, the air quality index was 10 or high, and that meant it was dangerous for seniors, young people, for anyone really to go out. And I'm talking to moms who are thinking, gosh, like this is where we live and our kids can't go outside. So, but we're, I mean, it's not just Canada, small island states um, having huge problems, but you're seeing it across the world. And this is why, I mean, we need to be ambitious in terms of how we act on climate change because we have a choice. We're either, you know, we will not be able to stop the impacts of climate change, but it's really, can we, you know, take ambitious action that we're not going to see the most catastrophic impacts? And we did have a science report here in Canada. Um, the scientists uh, in government showed that Canada is warming at twice the global average, and it's three times or more in the north. So just on the science, um, quite clear that climate change is happening, that it's man-made, and it's accelerating. Now, you talk about ambitious action, but... You know, the, the government has gone and bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline. That kind of sends the wrong message. Well, so I think that's a really good question. And I know that there are people who are trying to understand, well, how can you do that? So I think, first of all, uh, we've said no to the Northern Gateway uh, Pipeline. That was going to be a new pipeline going through a rainforest that we have 
a ban on pipelines um, off of the northern coast of British Columbia. But we're in a transition, and transitions do not happen overnight. Um, people, I, I look outside. I mean, I would love if everyone was in an electric vehicle. We're still people are still driving cars with an internal combustion engine. Uh, we're working really hard to change that. But with the decision on Trans Mountain, and this is a twinning of an existing pipeline, um, it's really important that people understand the context. Canadians understand the context. And it's hard because, you know, it takes more. It's not just a soundbite. But we negotiated a climate deal for Canadians over a year. So often people talk about the federal climate plan. No, this is like the Canadian climate plan. And there we had Alberta, who was part of the the discussions. Um, we had a progressive NDP government who did many things that had never happened in Alberta's history. They put a price on pollution. They fa agreed to phase out coal. They put um, And they put a hard cap on emissions from the oil sands, so ceiling on what emissions you could have from the oil sands. Um, but at the same time, you know, people do need jobs in the transition. And so, look, we, you know, this was part of our plan. We are not doing anything different. We said that we felt that this, this pipeline should go ahead. And it's also the safest way. Right now you have a situation where uh, we have access to only one market, the United States. So we're getting a discount price for our product during a transition where people are still using oil and gas. And it's not safe to go by train. It is much safer by uh, pipeline. And this is, as I say, twinning of an existing pipeline. But you have to look in the whole context of our climate plan. So uh, I've listened to your, your previous podcasts. And, I mean, it's interesting when people say we won't meet the target. We are absolutely committed to meeting the target. It is very hard because after 10 years of Stephen Harper going in absolutely the wrong direction, we inherited a target where it's 2030, so you've lost 10 years. But we have over 50 measures. Compared to business as usual, everything that we have implemented will get us three quarters of the way there. So that's compared to business as usual. And then with the other quarter, we've, we've said that we will do that through the investments in public transportation. We have committed the money. We were the only party that committed to investments um, in the last election. And, but we haven't negotiated those deals. So it's hard to model exactly what the emission reductions are going to be, but we know they will be there. Uh, Light Rail Transit Ottawa largest reduction in emissions in Ottawa's history. We're also, we just committed to doubling the amount of nature that we're going to protect in Canada with a $1.3 billion historic investment in a nature legacy fund. Nature is a, is a natural sink. We've just committed to a circular economy and tackling plastic pollution, including um, eliminating single-use plastics. That also reduces emissions. We've made historic investments in clean technologies. It's hard to, it's hard to model the technologies that are going to be game changers, but we already know, if you look at the price of batteries, you look at the price of um, electric vehicles, you look at the price of renewables, it's all going down precipitously. And our role as a government is to be responsible and to figure out what is the best mix of policies looking to not just 2030, which is our current target, but we have to look to 2050. And we have to de completely decarbonize the economy it doesn't happen overnight. But if you look at the trajectory, we are on track. We are re reducing our emissions. It, you know, the investments people say, well, you haven't reduced the emissions overnight. Well, I mean, we're just investing in public transit. So you're not going to get the reductions until the public transit is built. Electric vehicle incentive, $5,000. People are, you know, we've got now, it's hard to get an electric vehicle. You've got to wait a lot longer because people are really excited about that. But these things do take time. And it's a transition. And our focus is also how do you do this in a way where life is affordable 
and people have jobs. And that's something I have learned in this portfolio. I'm now the second longest serving environment minister, and people care about climate change. I actually think most Canadians believe it's man-made. They're concerned about the impacts. But at the end of the day, they're concerned about paying for, you know, activities for their kids, paying their bills, having a job. And so we have to be responsible and map this out. And that means you have to do it in a, a thoughtful way. And we have mapped out exactly what we're doing. It's all online. We're extremely transparent about all the measures. And, of course, we have to do more. It's not just about a 2030 target. The whole world needs to do more. We're not on the trajectory to stay well below two degrees, which is what we negotiated. So we've got to do more. But I think it is possible. But, of course, the challenge on the other side is we have, for example, conservatives who are out there misleading the public about what we're doing, that they say that, you know, we're just putting a price on pollution as a tax drive. That's absolutely wrong. By law, all the money has to go back. Um, we're phasing out coal, but we have a just transition task force. So we ensure that communities that have relied on coal and workers that have uh, relied on coal jobs are able to plan for their future and their community's future um, and their kids' future. So you have to be thoughtful, and that's something we're working very hard on. And as I say, I think some of the times the challenge is it's not a soundbite. Yeah, no kidding. Catherine McKenna joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change as we continue to talk about uh, climate change platforms here on the Unpublished Cafe. And, you know, when we when I talk about the Trans Mountain Pipeline, and, and I, I've mentioned this to a, several of the parties when I talked about it, instead of building pipelines, why is Canada not building a refinery instead? Well, I mean, so the, I hear that often. So just so you understand how the Trans Mountain Pipeline comes across, for example, my desk, the federal government's desk, and we have what's called an environmental assessment. So we take the projects as they come. Um, so, you know, we don't go out and say, you know, you need to do this, you need to do a refinery. Ideally, the market decides, you know, that there's an interest in a refinery. Had that been in the project, we would have looked at that. But look, I, I agree with the general principle that we need to figure out how do we get maximum value for our resources in a transition to a cleaner future. And our resources are also the same resources you need for the transition. Like if you look at the batteries and what is in um, electric batteries, we actually have the natural resources. We have the minerals that are required for that. But we've got to figure this out and um, got to figure out how we also, as you know, make sure that we focus on jobs and, and people. And sometimes it can sound quite elitist to be talking about I would say, like, 20, 30 targets or talking about price on pollution. Sometimes people are just like, okay, I care about climate change, but how is this going to improve my life? And I've realized we got to talk about health outcomes. That phasing out coal in Ontario meant we went from 53 smog days to zero. Talk about jobs. that we've, There are already 300,000 jobs that are in the clean economy. And as we do retrofits, and I think we should do a massive retrofit program, there, there's jobs for construction workers in that. There's jobs in new materials for how we build houses that are much more energy efficient. Um, that we have to get granular. And this is a lesson that, that um, I know a lot of people have focused on what happened in France with yellow investors. We see a little bit of that here, although I think it's a bit of a different movement here. But in France, people were out in the streets because they felt that politicians were being elitist and not worried about middle class, and they increased the price on pollution there. 
Um, and it was hurting folks. And so, the, for example, the price on pollution, as I said, the, all the money is going back to the tax system. You have the incentive at the pump to figure out how you would pay less if you use public transfer, transportation, you carpool, you get an electric vehicle or a more fuel-efficient vehicle. But at the same time, when you do your taxes, you'll get the money back. So a family uh, of four will get $309 in Ontario. And 80% of families are better off, especially low- and middle-income families. Um, but you have to be thinking about that because I saw what happened in the United States. They're rolling back all of the regulations at the federal level that they can. Now, many of them are in court. And so you can't lose that. And unfortunately, in climate change, it often, you know, people talk about it, but then... You know, if you don't have people at the center, you can lose those policies because people say, well, I care about this, but I'm also just worried about, you know, costs of living and I'm worried about jobs. And that's why I think this election, it, I think climate change will be a top issue. I think affordability will be a top issue. And I feel confident in what our government has done because we've considered affordability as we've built our climate plan. And also, we've created a million jobs with Canadians. We have the lowest unemployment rate in four decades. Does that mean everyone feels better off? No. Is there more work to do? Yes. But if you don't have a plan for climate change, which, quite frankly, the Conservatives don't, you do not have a plan for the economy of today, and especially not the economy of the future. Let's talk about the clean fuel standard. How will it work, and, and how will, will it help uh, get Canada to its Paris targets? Yeah, the clean fuel standard is a really important part of our plan. And often, once again, it's language. People are like, what is the clean fuel standard? When you go to the pump, having cleaner fuels, um, which is actually a huge economic opportunity because there's different ways you can do it. Biofuels, a good example. Um, and it is a very important component of our plan. It's an example of regulating, right? There's different ways, policy choices. You can regulate, you can invest. Um, and we're making $60 billion of investments in renewables, um, in clean technologies and public transit. And then there's market forces, price and pollution, um, disclosure of companies of the climate risk. And so it's really important. And, you know, the, the conservatives have said, forget that we're not going to do clean fuel standards. So they're against the price on pollution, which represents 20% of our emissions towards our target. They're against the clean fuel standard, also a significant chunk of emissions. Um, and they seem to be, rely on hope. If only people would innovate. Of course, innovation is part of this. But if you don't have these other things and you're going to cut, they're going to cut in money invested in, in you know, public transit, cutting money for electric vehicles, um, cutting across the board like we've seen Doug Ford, there's zero chance that you're going to change, transform your economy, which is really what this is. It's a complete transformation of the economy to a better economy, quite frankly, cleaner, um, more energy efficient. That should be a conservative idea, conserving energy. Um, and one where our kids will have the jobs that they're looking for. I talk to young people, and they're demanding action, and I, I love that they're demanding more ambitious action because it only helps us if we have young people pushing you know, for more ambitious action because, on the other hand, I have people who are you know, conservative politicians who want to do less and less. Um, but those, they want jobs that are in the economy of the future. They're not talking about, is climate change real? They're saying, how do we innovate? How do we find the solutions? How do I be part of it? How do I feel good about my job that... You know, it's it's with a company that values um, the environment, that's going to use less plastics, that is recognizes that everyone has a part to play in this, um, and also, quite frankly, that it realizes there's a huge economic risk to your business. If you haven't thought about um, what the economy of the future is going to look like, if you haven't thought about the risks of climate change and how that you would impact your business, you know, you're not going to do well in the future.
Catherine, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, it's great. I'm, I'm really happy to do this. I, I know this is going to be a big conversation, so happy to continue the conversation. Catherine McKenna is the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, as well as the MP for Ottawa Centre. The federal Conservatives revealed their climate change plan less than a month ago. It's called A Real Plan to Protect Our Environment and promises to be Canada's best chance to meet our Paris targets. Ed Fast is the Conservative critic on the environment and the MP for Abbotsford, and he joins us on the Unpublished Cafe. And Ed, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Ed. Now, why do you see this as the best way to reach our Paris targets? Well, we know that the current plan that the Liberals introduced is not going to meet the Paris targets. Time and time again, uh, the uh, United Nations, the Parliamentary Budget Officer, the the, uh, Commissioner for the Environment have all said that the Liberal plan is not going to get us to our targets. In fact, we're falling further and further and further behind every year. So we believe that it's actually going to be technology, not taxes, that gets us to where we need to go. Uh, We believe there's great promise in technology. Um, Even uh, the United Nations uh, has uh, highlighted the fact that technology represents among the most promising ways of us uh, being able to address our greenhouse gas emissions. And that's what our focus is. Now, the Technology Investment Fund uh, you're referring to, how would it work and how would it help? Well, uh, it's a $250 million uh, innovation fund. It's uh, effectively a venture capital fund, which is intended to incent the private sector to invest. And we expect it would leverage uh, up to $1 billion of additional investment in uh, green technology innovation. And uh, we believe that uh, represents great promise in terms of incenting the private sector to take up this cause. It kind of rings a little bit like the Ontario Liberals' green par, uh, green energy plan from, from back in Dalton McGuinty's days when he was trying to, to do that and restart that the economy. Is that kind of what the direction you're going there? Oh, no, not at all. No. Uh, none of what we do will emulate what Dalton <laughs> McGuinty and the Ontario Liberals did. What they did is they picked winners and losers, <clears throat> and we both know that government is very poorly positioned to make those kinds of decisions, picking winners and losers when it comes to technology choices. Uh, The uh, green energy plan in Ontario was an unmitigated disaster. What this is simply is a fund that will uh, incent the private sector to begin to invest in the most promising green technology companies uh, in Canada and hopefully uh, spur Uh, a broader innovation uh, outcome uh, for Canadians. Do we have these type of companies in Canada right now that are are looking for funding to obviously to to expand and obviously make us, uh, you know, deal with climate change better here in Canada? Listen, Canadians are among the best educated, uh, among the most innovative in the world. And I think most analysts who have looked at our economy and looked at our green technology sector have acknowledged that the biggest problem that Canadian companies have when they're developing and then bringing forward their technology for commercialization is the ability to commercialize. Uh, uh, Invariably what happens is all the best companies get picked off by the United States. They then move their headquarters to the United States and Canada loses the ability to 
benefit uh, economically from those companies. And that's what we want to stop. We want to make sure that Canadian companies have the ability to develop and commercialize their technology right here in Canada. Now, you mentioned that the government's not good at uh, picking winners and losers, but with this uh, innovation fund, is the government not going to be picking who's going to get it and who's not? Uh, we we certainly, as uh, government, would not be making those decisions. We would presumably have uh, uh, independent uh, experts um, analyzing uh, where those funds should go. And again, we would want to be as uh, as unbiased in terms of deploying those funds as possible to make sure that we're actually allowing the market to decide which technologies are successful and which technologies move forward with commercialization. Ed Fast is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the Conservative critic on the environment and the MP for Abbotsford as we talk about the Conservative Climate Change Platform. And obviously Andrew Shear on the Conservative has been very open about this take power, we're going to cancel the carbon tax. Now, in your plan, going after the heavy emitters is how you plan on, uh, I guess, compensating for the, the lack of the carbon tax. Yes, we're, we're focusing on the heavy emitters. Uh, under the Liberal plan, of course, the heavy emitters receive huge exemptions. When the average Canadian who's paying a carbon tax receives no exemptions, um, what we are doing is we are expanding the scope of our program so that it kicks in at about 40 kilotons of emissions. Um, the Liberal plan is at 50 kilotons. So what we're doing is we're increasing the number of heavy emitters that will be caught. But the key thing is this. We are not taxing them. In other words, we're not taking money out of the company putting it into government coffers, and then spending that money on government political priorities. What we have said is uh, those companies have an opportunity to decide where they want to invest their technology development uh, funds. They can do it in-house, so do research and development in-house within the company. They can do it uh, in an industry-pooled research and development investment facility. They can invest in green bonds that invest in emissions-reducing technology. They can even invest in Canadian university and college R&D programs because that's where a lot of the research takes place. What we're saying is we're going to leave the choice of that to the companies themselves. So the companies understand, listen, we are investing in our own environmental success, in our own environmental performance. And uh, that way, the money doesn't go into government coffers, is spent on things that are completely unrelated to the environment or on priorities that the government has set rather than are d- driven by the companies themselves who understand their own needs the best. How do you enforce it, though? There will be an enforcement process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, under which every company will have to have their investments vetted by an independent panel whose sole job is to make sure that the investments are going into qualified investments. And as I said, the qualified investments are quite broad. The choices would be made by the companies themselves. We just want to make sure that they're not investing in something that's unrelated to the environmental 
performance improvements that we expect them to make. Now, does this plan get Canada to its our Paris targets? Or from what I've read, it gets us the closest to it, but does, still doesn't reach it. Uh, what we have said, and as you mentioned in your uh, introductory uh, remarks, we believe that our plan is a much better plan than the Liberal plan. The Liberal plan, by all accounts, has failed because it's not meeting the Paris targets. We believe our plan gives us the best chance to actually meet those targets, which are, of course, conservative targets that the Liberals adopted and claimed that they were going to make tougher. But in fact, they're not even meeting those targets. So we're quite confident that our plan is much better and, and provides us with the best chance to reach the Paris targets. Now, yeah, in, as part of the platform as well, and obviously aimed specifically at, at voters, incentivizing home retrofits, how would the government pay for something like that? Well, you know what? It, it is going to cost some money. Um, we want to make sure that we also give homeowners an opportunity uh, to invest in their own contributions to reducing uh, their greenhouse gas emissions. So we have uh, pr- uh, proposed a $900 million green homes tax credit, which would allow investments of up to $20,000 to provide to, to receive a tax credit. Um, that was an immensely popular program under Stephen Harper's uh, government. We expect it will receive the same kind of reception uh, this time around. Canadians are quite prepared to make investments in their own environmental performance. All you need to do is provide them with a bit of an incentive, and they would gladly do their part. And we've got some other things, a green home retrofit code that we believe should be designed into the national building code. Um, We're also... uh, putting forward a voluntary net zero building standard that we believe uh, many companies would adopt. And then, of course, we're going to encourage the greater use of wood and low-carbon cement. The use of wood, of course, allows us to take stored carbon and basically allow that sequestration to be in place for many, many years, especially if the wood gets recycled down the road And then with low-carbon cement, it's simply a matter of producing cement in a way that is environmentally sustainable because cement is one of the most polluting, most greenhouse gas-intensive products that we can make. And there are technologies now that allow uh, that cement to be made uh, in a less environmentally impactful way. Ed, I want to thank you for joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. You are very welcome. Glad to do it. Ed Fast is the MP for Abbotsford and Conservative Environment Critic. Now you've heard from the four major parties and their climate change platforms on the Unpublished Cafe. Now it's your time to get involved. Which of the four parties' climate change platforms do you support? You can have your say and cast your ballot right now at unpublished.vote. Thanks for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand.